Hey, everybody. Good to be here with you. Well, today I want to really dig in and get right to it. And uh, if we're live streaming and you're, you're at home, get your Bible out as well. It's a Bible time. We're going to be going to Old Testament, a little New Testament, and I'll tell you when to get there. And uh, let's just start out with uh, a little experience that I had right over here at the corner at the coffee house. And uh, I don't know if any of you, you know, go to the coffee house. I know a lot of you on Sunday morning do, and I meet you sometimes during the week. But the coffee house is a, a place where both Christians and people who are unbelievers kind of gather together, mingle together, have a lot of great conversation. So I'm at the coffee house. It was a while back. And this guy comes up to me. And he, and he says, he says, you're a pastor, right? And right now, you know, that's a setup. <laughs> you know, you're, you're being set up for the kill when, when someone says that. So you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. And, and, and he says, and I said, yeah, I, I'm a pastor. And he says, well, let me ask you a question then. I said, oh boy, here it comes. You know, what, what's going to happen? So it's, it's, he says, look, life is filled with pain. And he starts to get this kind of almost contorted look on his face. And he says, you know, we, we, when we were born, we were born in pain. All of our life, either we're in pain or we're causing pain. Even when we die, we, it's all about pain. And to make things worse, God has kind of given us a sense of reason that, you know, we, we can kind of anticipate situations. So as a matter of fact, we start to worry, we start to have anxiety, and that even causes us more pain. So says, life is just filled with pain, mental stress, worries, anxieties. He says, crime, war, terrorism, politics, you know, the news, broken relationships, just to name a few. You know, just pain, 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 pain. He says, on a mass scale all the way through the world. And I go, oh, gosh. He says, so, Pastor, I got this question for you. <laughs> what could this question be? He says, look, he says, look, he says, look, if God is so good, I thought, oh boy, I've heard this one before. If God is so good and so loving, how can he allow so much pain? So I looked over to the Denise who runs and owns the coffee shop, and I already have my cup of coffee, and I just said to her, keep filling it up this up. It's gonna take a while. <laughs> don't, don't let this thing go empty. You know, I got a lot to cover here. I got a lot going here. Then, then, he, then he says this. He says, look, if he were loving, wouldn't he really want his creatures or the people that he created, you know, his children and all that, wouldn't he really want them to be happy? Wouldn't that be right, Pastor? I mean, especially his children, especially his children. I mean, that's just kind of natural. That's what... Parents want that kind of thing. And if he's almighty, and you say he's almighty, pastor, if he's almighty, shouldn't he be able to make us happy? The fact is, he says, pastor, I'm not happy. <laughs> Gee, I couldn't tell that. <laughs> and a lot of us aren't happy. In fact, most people I meet, for one reason or another, they're just not happy. Even those who have become his followers, like you or his children or are Christians or anything like that, lots of them I meet, they're not, they're not happy either. So he says to me, he says, okay, so what's up with that, Pastor? Tell me what you got. 
I could, but you know, a lot of times when people are like that, they're just trying to set me up, just trying to make me look like an idiot in front of, uh, you know, other people, his buddies and that kind of stuff. But this guy was serious. So I thought, you know, maybe you know, I, I ought to kind of give him a, a serious answer. And I just want to share with you, you know, that answer uh, that I gave to him. So let me start with this, okay? Let me start with this. And this is, this is, how, this is how I started out. And, and he says, uh, uh, I said, look, in the prophet Isaiah... I said, he, he says something like this. And we turned to Isaiah and I said, look, this is what the Lord said. He says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. He says, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Okay, I said, where, where are you going with this, Pastor? Where are you going with this? Just, see, God's idea of goodness and love is different than ours. You got to understand that. I says, in my own experience, I told him, I said, you know, in my own experience, when I get a hint of God's goodness in my life, when we were singing about that today a little bit, when I get a hint of God doing something great and wonderful in my life, there's no doubt in my mind that it's better than what I ever imagined or what I thought. It's purer. It's greater. It's bigger. It gets more to the depth. It gets to the heart of things. It's like a light for those people who are lost. I've been in the woods. You know I love to hike and that kind of stuff. And I love to go hike in the dark in, at night. It's a, it's a different feeling. It's a different world altogether, let me tell you. But, you know, when you run out of light and there's no, you know, uh, other kind of light around you and you're deep in the woods and you see a light in the distance, it, I mean, it draws you to it. That's kind of like God's light. That's kind of like God's goodness and God's love. It just, it's, a, it's a strange kind of love. It's not a love that you know is going to use you. It's a love that just kind of draws you to it like that light. And the closer you get to it, you find out it's not just smaller. It's bigger. It's better. It's more perfect than you could ever imagine. God's goodness calls us out to an even better, a higher life than we could ever even imagine, or uh, uh, anything that we would even dream of. That's why in the same passage, that same passage of Isaiah that I just quoted you about, you know, his, his ways being higher than our ways and his, his thoughts being higher than our thoughts, just before that, in the first few verses just before that, uh, let, let me tell you how he prefaces it. So he makes this connection. You know, the prophet Isaiah and the, the Holy Spirit makes this connection with the way God's ways are higher and his thoughts are higher. And, and this, is, this is what he says. He says, seek the Lord while he may be found. He says, call on him while he's near. And let me tell you, the Lord is near today. Pastor Harold called it out today. The Lord is near to answer your call today. You got issues, you got pain, you got problems, you got things that have not been resolved. God is here today. I want to tell you that if you would just reach out to him, he's already reaching out to you today. Many of us could feel it. In his presence. So he, so he says this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways. And the unrighteous his thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. Because we serve not only a loving God. Not only a kind God. Not only a healing God. But we've, uh, we serve a merciful God. And a God that pardons them. As Isaiah says. He's there for you. See, Christ calls for us to repent. Repent means to turn in a different direction, to make a different decision instead of the decision we were going to make and to follow Jesus Christ. That's what repenting is. And you know, that call to repentance would make absolutely no sense if Jesus was just offering a different way. 
rather than a higher way, rather than a better way. That's why, that's, that's why the prophet Isaiah said, hey, look, look, yeah, God's ways are higher, God's ways are better, and so seek him while he may be found. Go after him. Because if he was just offering a different alternative, a different system, a different method, a different philosophy, a different politic, why even follow him? Because there's dozens others that we could follow. But rather what he's saying is compared to all those you could possibly find in all the earth, in all time, his way is higher. His why is better. His thoughts are higher. His thoughts are better. So maybe, I told this guy, so just maybe... His goodness and his love not only are different, but maybe they too are far, far, far better than we could ever imagine. Maybe our understanding of what love really is might be a little off, might be tainted, twisted, diminished, far less than the perfection that God's love is. In fact, I think that most people say, when they, when they say God is good, and we always say, oh, God is good, yes. And then we have our own little sayings about that, right? God is good. What they really, really mean is God is loving. And I can understand that. But when they think about God is loving, what they really mean is he is kind. And what does a kind God do? You know, what, what does a kind God do? He makes people happy. Don't worry. Be happy. So where does pain fit into that whole scenario about this loving, kind God who makes people happy? Let me tell you where pain fits in. It doesn't. It makes no sense. How can a loving, kind God, you know, cause or allow pain to happen like this it just makes no sense so maybe our picture of god is a little bit off too you see what we really want this is you know what what we really want is god some god who will say hey it's all right don't worry whatever you want so long as you're happy that's what i really care about do whatever you please just be happy smile go ahead smile I'll help you get over it. Don't worry about it. I'll deliver you. Don't worry about a thing. I'll figure it out. Go ahead. I'll forgive you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just have a good time. Isn't that what we really want from a God? Especially when we're going through it? We're having some difficulties? No conflict? No pain? Isn't that what we want in our life? No problems? No sickness? No consequences for our sin or our rebellion? No, 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 no. We don't want any of that. Here's what we really want. We want a grandfather in heaven. We don't want a father. Isn't that true? We want a grandfather in heaven. We do not. Let me show you what I mean about that. Uh, once a week, I pick up my grandchildren from school. This is my time. This is Papa's time with them. And uh, uh, my, my daughter knows, don't, don't even say anything, because, you know, don't, don't, don't criticize me, don't say anything, don't judge me, I'll do whatever I please. I'm the, I'm the grandfather. So at any rate, uh, I usually bring them to, uh, I, I, well, I, I do different things, I go to the park with them, because they want to go to the park, what do you want to do today? Oh, this homework? Ah, let's go to the park instead. So we go to the park, we play, that kind of stuff, and, you know, do, we'll do a little bit of homework, so mom's satisfied and all that kind of stuff, and I say, oh, you want that? So I just give them all the answers. 
What do I care? They already went to school. If the teacher can't do it in school, what do I care? What am I, I'm not getting paid for this. Anyway, that's the way I look at it. Maybe it's a little wrong, that's the way I look at it. So at any rate, you know, I, I, I couldn't make it that day. So Rhonda took a, a, a day off, and she went, and she wanted to follow the routine, you know, so she picked them up and that kind of stuff. And I gave her the candies that I usually give them when they come out and that kind of stuff. And so we're going to Wendy's, and that, she's going to Wendy's. And uh, so she says to him, says, uh, uh, what do you want? And uh, they start saying all this stuff. You know, I want a Frosty. I want some fries. No, I want this kind of hamburger. I want that. And she says, well, wait, wait, wait. One thing. What do you want? What do you and they're starting to go on and on. She says, wait, wait, wait. What does Papa usually give? you and they went like this whatever I want <laughs> and it's a fact hey I use Rhonda's credit card I could care less <laughs> but isn't that the kind of father we want in heaven a grandfather with no discipline no do you know what my kids ask me what happened to my father he was here some years ago, and then we got these other kids brought into the world, and all of a sudden he left. No kidding, Papa arrived. He's in town now. The disciplinarian, the one who said, no, you can't. You've got to set, you got to change this. No, you're not going to grow into the kind of person I want you to. Don't let me hear you say that again. You better treat this one this way. That guy left because Papa, grandfather's in town. But God specifically told Isaiah that from then on, 700 years before Christ came on earth as a man incarnate, God specifically told the prophet Isaiah, he said, he was to be our father. Not grandfather. Our father. Isaiah 64, 8, if you want to note that down, if you're in the Bible, any bit. That's an underliner, let me tell you, because that's a transitional statement in the Scripture. That's a transitional statement in our relationship with God. Before he was judge, before he was warrior, before he was the Almighty, the Holy One, unapproachable, now he says, I want to be your father. Of course, he's not our biological father, he's our creator, but he says that's the relationship we want from now on. Isaiah 64, 8, he says, this is the first time that God identified himself as father. See, a father relationship is very, very, very different than a grandfather relationship. I think you've been getting what I mean. A father's love is, is more like what the prophet Isaiah said in Jeremiah, uh, excuse me, the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 12. We're going to go there in just a minute. So if you want to open your Bible, you're going to go to Jeremiah 18. That's in the Old Testament. That's with the big guys, you know, like the Isaiahs, you know, and Ezekiel's and all of those. Okay, but before we go there, I want to again quote the prophet Isaiah. You know, remember what we just said in Isaiah 64, 8. He says, yet you, Lord, are our father. And this is what he says here. Get the quote. He's putting two things together here. This is very important. He says, yet you, Lord, are our father. This is the first time he's told us he wants to be a father. And he says, we are the clay. How did that come into the picture? You are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the works of your hands. Somehow, the prophet Jeremiah and the Holy Spirit said, there's, two, there's a relationship here between Father God and his children, and they are like clay in the potter's hand. There was a message there for us, an understanding of a new relationship. 
And I'm going to go now to Isaiah chapter 18. Okay, Jeremiah, that's just what I meant. Glad somebody's awake here. And this is what, it, this is what the prophet uh, Jeremiah is talking about. And he says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. It's a direct word from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house. And there I will give you my message. There's a new message, an important message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at a wheel. Now this wheel, what does it symbolize? Life. Doesn't life sometimes send us in circles? Around and around and around and around. And we say, how can we possibly get off? We can't get off. And it seems to be going around and around. He says, so I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the potter, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. That, that if you look at some of the original language, it meant there was like a stone. There was something wrong. It, it, it was something that had gotten in there that had just messed up the pot altogether. And then he says it was marred in his hands. He says, you see then that it, it, it doesn't give a period. He says, so. And in the, in the King James Version, it says, so. The idea is this. So he looked at that marred pot that he had been working on because there was something inside of it that was wrong. It wasn't what he had done wrong, but there was something that composed it was wrong. And he took it and, and, and he put it aside for a little while. And then, then it says, he says, so then the potter formed it into another. So he picked it up at a later time and he crushed it one more time and he crushed it so he could use that clay. Now note that he didn't throw it away. That pot could have been thrown away. He could have just got some more clay. And it had some defects in it. He says, no, 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 no. He, he put it aside for a period of time. He let it harden. He let it go through some stuff for a period of time. And then he crushed it. And when he crushed it, he picked it up. And then he started to make the clay according to what? He says, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. You getting the message here? Then the word of the Lord came to me, he said. This is to Jeremiah. He said, this is what the Lord told him. Can I not do with you, Israel, or my people, as this potter does? Don't I have the right? I'm the creator. I'm the father. Like the clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hands. If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, and destroyed... And if that nation, I warned, repents, turns, changes from its evil, then I will relent. I will not inflict on it the disaster or the pain, the pain which I planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will reconsider the good that I intended for it. Now, therefore, he said, because of all of this, you've got to understand, me, Father God, and the potter, now, therefore, I say to the people of Judah and to those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says, look, I am preparing some pain for you, a disaster, devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you. Reform your ways and your actions. We have an opportunity, just like the pot, not thrown away, but to rather... Walk in obedience, repent, turn a different direction. Say, no, I, I, I'm sorry for that. I, I, I don't want to do that. I, I turn in a different direction. But they're going to reply. You know what they're going to reply? Oh, man, that's no use. That's no use. We will continue with our own plans. We will all follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. See, a father's love has purpose. 
because he is responsible for the outcome of that child, of that pot. His love is more than mere kindness. I can be kind. You, you know what some people think kindness is? Killing old people simply because they don't have much of a life left to live. Or because they think that somehow this baby is not going to have all the economic opportunities that someone else does, they'll kill it too. That's kindness. We used to treat dogs like that in the country. So kindness is not love. Don't get them mixed up. Kindness comes from a, 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 a removed, a distant perspective. Love is intimate. It comes from a different perspective altogether. See, a father's love is authoritative. And a child is a result and response is to be obedient. The, the, the discipline, the change, the, and, and the pain in the process, it all has purpose. That's what he's trying to tell you in this, in this potter's story. So it, it all has pot purpose. The child, like the clay pot, needs to be shaped with love to fully function as the creator or the father intended. I don't know how much time I spent with my kids trying to shape their character into a righteous character and draw them into Christ. It, it kept me up nights. still does. Imagine Father God. His reputation is commingled with his sons and his daughters. So this is really important to him. I mean, a lot of it is, is at stake, and, and the character of his child is at stake, and, and, and it needs to be shaped into the Father's purposes. We are, whether you... I don't, I don't care how low you think you are. You are part of God's divine art. You are somebody. We are something that's being shaped. And he will never be satisfied. Don't, you know, we can say, God, leave us alone. He's not going to be alone because he's father. I don't care if my, my children say, take a flying leap, dad. No, dad's not taking a flying leap. I am fully invested in their life whether they allow me into their life or not into their life, I am fully invested. And the same is true as our Father God. Our part is to surrender. It was, it was spoken about even when we were worshiping today. Our part is to surrender into the shaping that God wants for us. Willingly, even if there is pain. To embrace the pain because we know that there's a loving Father God who is behind all of it, who is allowing us to be shaped, and we're going to be shaped into the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, not to seek the pain. I'm not talking about being crazy. But seek the shaping. And don't run away from the shaping, even if there is pain. Because to seek pain for pain's sake is insane. You're nuts. Our whole problem with putting together suffering and a God who loves us is that we put a childish meaning to love, not an adult meaning. Even more, we look at our life as though we were, we, we were the center of all things. <laughs> it's like this, man is not the center. Let me tell you, man is not the center. God does not exist for our purposes or our happiness. We don't even exist for our own sake. Hey, yeah. This may bust your bubble, but you've got to get the priority right. You've got to get the priority right. 
We were not made so much to love God, but to be loved by God. That makes a difference. We were not made so much to love God, as much as we say that in this house and every other house of God, as to be loved by God. Take a look at Revelation. Jesus told him, Revelation 4.11. You see, God is moving in your life, even using pain so he may be well pleased with you, just as the scripture says. That's what Jesus is doing. To ask our loving Father to be content, uh, to be content with us as the way that we are is like asking God not to be God. It's not going to happen. Change has got to come. And with that change, you know, oftentimes there's some pain in that process. Now, that, that doesn't mean that we're supposed to simply accept pain. Or to dive into it. And hoping that God uses it. No, 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 no. As I said before, to seek pain just for pain's sake is insane. Even Jesus, knowing the pain of the cross, you remember this. Even Jesus, knowing the pain of the cross, asked Father God at Gethsemane. I've been to that rock where he asked God, where he, where he, where he sweat drops of blood, and, and, and that, that he would take this cup from him, this cup of pain, this cup of anxiety, this cup of he's going to the cross. And he says, but, 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 here's the biggie. And this is the way we all got to approach it. But not, not my will. Your will be done. I'll accept the pain because I know I serve a father who truly loves me and is shaping me and has purpose for me and I am his piece of art. See, suffering and pain in themselves are not good. Anybody who says you're suffering, you know, pain is gain, you're nuts. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a gym rat, so I like the gym. And everybody else, oh, yeah, yeah, a little pain, gotta go through some pain in order to get there. No, I found a better way. Just be consistent and keep it up and keep graduating. You know, I, I, you know this pain nuts is, this pain stuff is nuts. I think they got a little bit too much muscle, but it moved from here to there. You know, I don't know. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm really ranking on us gym rats. I understand that. So, all of us who go, uh, uh, and really love it, you know, drop the weights, boom, and, you know, just, oh, showtime, you know. You know, the guys in the gym, they had dropped the mic long before dropped the mic, let me tell you. Because, you know, they'd be living, uh, 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 and then they go, boom, so the whole gym can hear. Oh, I can listen. No, I'm going to get into that. That's not my sermon, but at any rate. Suffering and pain in themselves is not good. What is good is submitting to God's will if it comes, if the pain comes. See, the crucifixion, this is when pain, you've got to look at pain. The crucifixion is both the worst and the best event in history. Judas's betrayal was absolutely evil, totally wrong, ugly, horrible, horrible, horrible. But God's salvation of mankind was the best of the best of the best. And there was pain in both. See, God's doing something, though we can't always see it and we can't always understand it, but we live by faith, do we not? In faith in a God, not in faith in me, not in faith in circumstances, not in the faith the way things were before, not in even just a hope that's going to uh, come out, but rather we believe in faith in a God who loves us, who is our Father, who is shaping us and caring for us and wants us to be the best of the best. Even that which is meant for evil, somewhere I've heard this, I don't know, maybe you, you can tell me somewhere, somewhere I've heard this, even that which was meant for evil, God is turning for the good. For those who love him. I've heard that somewhere. Must have been Pastor Harold. That's it. 
I quoted Pastor Harold. Now I know I'm right. Praise the Lord. See, Peter captures the beauty of it all. And I want to turn to the New Testament. I told you we'd get to the New Testament. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, if you look at 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to kind of run through a few verses there because this is the same thing that Jeremiah was saying, but with a New Testament update. Because this is really for you. The, the, the message from Jeremiah has great spiritual truth, but really it was to Israel, the nation at the time. But really what Peter is talking to is us, the nation of the time. And we take a look at this, it's 1 Peter chapter 2, and he says, Therefore, rid all of yourselves of all malice, and there's a reason for this, any bad thinking, any bad thoughts, any unforgiveness. Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Watch your mouth, boy. <laughs> like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up. In other words, God the Father is trying us to grow up in your salvation. Not just receive salvation, but grow up in your salvation so that you might become mature. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, come on, let's grow, let's become a, an adult, let's become a parent, let's become what God wants us to be. And it says, as you come to him, Peter is saying, and he's, what he's imagining as you enter into the tabernacle, he's entering into the temple. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, that is Jesus Christ, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, in other words, you are precious to him. You are rejected by humans. You've been cast out. You've been hurt. You've been dinged. You've been wounded. You're just like Jesus Christ, and you're precious to him, and you're a living stone, and you have a name on that stone, Jesus said in the book of Revelation, and you're important and you're unique, and he's, found, he's forming you in the uniqueness of who he needs you to be. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You know what a house is? It's not a building. It's a household. That's what's meant here. Your building being built into God's family. So the pot, father, potter, God, is building his children and remaking and making their character and our character, even when he finds the flaws, when he finds the dings, when he sees all that material that shouldn't be there. He might put you aside, harden you a little bit, but he's going to come back to you. And when he comes back to you, it's all for a purpose. The time, the waiting, the purpose, all of that. And he might crush you back till you feel as though you can't stand it anymore. And then he'll remake you in the likeness of Jesus. If you'll just submit to the loving God. Let's move down off. And, uh, and this is all so that you might become a holy priesthood. So that you and I, by our works, we're not offering lambs anymore. We're not offering rams or goats or pigeons or any of that. We are holy, a priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices. And they're acceptable to God. Why? Because we do them in the name of Jesus. Nothing that we do. Skip down to 9 now, verse 9. But you, he says, you and I, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession out of all the potter's creation, a special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful loving light. 
Once you were not a people, you were nobody, you were nothing. No, 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 but now you are a people of God. Once you were not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Expect a merciful God to show you mercy on a daily basis because his mercies never run out. I want you to capture this whole understanding of what Peter's trying to tell us here. Just how wonderful and creative that you actually are. Now, if you're going through some pain right now, I want you to come forward in faith. And I want your faith to marry my faith. I want you to come forward in faith to our loving Father so that you and I can... can, can can multiply, not just add, our faith together. I want you to come forward to the loving Father. I'm going to pray for you. You're going to pray. You may be in a painful relationship right now. You need some relief from that pain. You need some deliverance from that pain. Maybe you're in a painful situation. I don't know what that situation might be. You can come down and in faith, we can ask God to see you through that. In physical pain, maybe you're in physical pain. If you're my age, you wake up in physical pain every day. <laughs> but maybe seriously, you're in physical pain and you've about had your limit and you don't want that pain anymore. Maybe you're in some sort of emotional pain. You've been crying, you've been hurting your heart. Maybe you haven't been crying, but your heart is ripped up and you don't know, God, take this pain away, do something about this. Maybe you're willing to have your faith marry my faith. In another brother or sister's faith. And together we can ask something. Together. Together. We can submit this to Father God. Because he's a loving Father. He's not casting you aside. He's taking you in. And he might be reforming you. And you might be going through some serious pain. I got that. Maybe some relational pain, emotional pain, some physical pain. You can ask for healing. God's a God who heals. You can ask for a resolution to a situation. It's for God to see you through that resolution, to give you the wisdom and the understanding of how to approach it. Maybe have some breakthrough. Maybe you need a deliverance. Because you've been dabbling in some stuff, and some stuff is attached to you, and you need that torn away. And it's painful. But, but if it be his will, if it be his will that maybe you suffer for a time, I don't know if you're willing it for this, but I'm willing because I've had to ask this many, many times. I'm going to ask for super abundant grace to see you through. That God will anoint you, might not take away the pain, but God will anoint you with a grace that is unbelievable. You'd be swimming in his favor, in his grace. Knowing God is building you into a temple of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, my brothers and sisters here have come in faith. They are your children. Your love for them, I can't even fathom, my God. It's so deep, so great. You've created them. You've made them. They are who they are because you called that out before time began. My God, they are awesome and wonderfully made. They're designed in such a way that they are going to fit somewhere, that there is a purpose in heaven for them and it is going to carry off into eternity. But there's already a purpose in the church for them. My God, they're in pain. They're hurting. 
There are relationships here that are broken, my God, and their heart is just pouring out and they don't even know if they can bring it all back together. God, there's some that are in such anxiety and depression and hurt, my God, they don't even know if there's a way out of the bottom. There seems to be no ladder and no light. My God, others here are just emotionally broken apart and you know the situation that they're going through. Others are in physical pain. My God, my God, you have purpose in this pain. We accept that. But Lord God, you're a God who delivers. You're a God who does not forget us. You're a God who forgives. You're a God who lifts our burdens up and you become our burden bearer. And we've come in faith asking you to heal our broken heart. Asking you, my Lord God, to make a way in that, re in that situation, in that relationship where it just seems so broken, so wrong, so, 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 so destroyed that how can we ever? Well, maybe, maybe, God, you can build something brand new, like a new pot. The old is gone, but maybe the new pot will come. God, I believe that. My brothers and sisters believe that. We have faith for that, my Lord God. Maybe we have been dwelling in some things, my Lord God, that we should not have. And Lord, it has ruined us. It has hurt us. It has disturbed us. It is so dark and so evil, my Lord God. We didn't even know what we were getting into. My God, I pray for a deliverance in the name of Jesus for those who are asking for deliverance here today. Cast it out. And those are in physical pain in the name of Jesus. As though my hand were your hands, my Lord God, I ask you to touch them now in their body. Whether it be their knee, they're back right now, my Lord God. They're deep, deep, depressed thoughts, my Lord God. Lord God, a pain that will not go away physically, making them where they can't even go, can't even function, my Lord God. In the name of Jesus, I ask for complete relief and complete healing. For you, my Lord God, are our healer. That is your name that the ancients called you by. I have faith for that, and I'm marrying my faith to their faith, my Lord God. For you said even faith as small as a mustard seed could get it done and could move a mountain as we sang today. I'm trusting in that, my Lord God. I'm believing in that. I've staked my life on it, my Lord God. And everybody here is too right now. But Lord God, if you desire for a period of time to not to take that pain away, I pray that the doors and the windows of heaven, every single one of them would open up and you would pour out such a portion of your grace that, Lord God, it would lift us up off even our feet. And we would be able to walk in a newness, even through the pain and in the pain. And, Lord God, we would even laugh at the pain because we know that we are in the favor of the living God and your grace is sufficient for the moment. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. Go. Submit yourself. Submit yourself to the potter who is your father who loves you. And go in faith knowing he doesn't want that pain for you. And he is willing to take it away. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.